Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I just love to see everybody. I just, I didn't, I purposely didn't rush to try to stop the greet, the meet and greet, because I just, I really just enjoy seeing how we love one another and seeing how we love being in each other's presence. I mean, it's amazing, honestly. If you're visiting with us here today, this is who we are. We love to be around one another, and uh, we welcome you to be with us as well. Uh, uh, Today, we're going to be primarily in Isaiah 57, verse 15. Uh, But I wanted to beforehand in this Christmas season, uh, I just wanted to give a hand to the kids' ministry and what God's done in that ministry, especially in this last week where the boys and girls uh, just did a wonderful presentation of a Christmas play. Can we clap it up for Chris and, and Michelle Boswick as well? They just did such an amazing job leading the children, and it was just an amazing uh, time to be able to worship God in that way. And so, as I said, we'll be primarily in Isaiah 57, verse 15. And we know that Craig has led us through a series in which we have been exploring the idea of, of presence, presence. We have learned that uh, our own presence is the greatest gift that, that we can give each other and that there is something about being present with the ones we love that empowers them, that builds them up and helps us to understand our ultimate purpose as we're designed by God. And that purpose is to know God intimately, because that's in fact what God seeks to to have us experience and discover, an intimate relationship with him that's unlike any other. And, And more than to know God intimately, it's also to make him known through his very presence in us. And so today, we will see that that God our Father has given us the ultimate present. I mean, have you ever got that one present that you're just like, man, this is everything that I've been waiting for? For me, it was when I was a little kid and my son just turned 10 this year. Uh, and I remember, because it was the first time you, tur- you turned double digits and you're so excited. You're like, ooh, I'm double digits now. This is crazy. Um, but... I remember that morning because I wake up and I was so excited and we were kind of, you know, we were, we're not a rich family. We're pretty poor, honestly. And there's one thing that I really, 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 really wanted real bad, but I knew I probably wouldn't get it. And uh, I remember my mom goes, oh, go look under. We had a little tree probably like the size of this poinsettia. And there was one present under the tree, and it was my present. I'm getting emotional even thinking about it. And my mom got me the Game Boy, the first Game Boy that ever came out. It was like a big gray block. And I was so excited because even in that instant as a 10-year-old, I knew that it took everything she had to give me that present. And what I really enjoyed about that morning was that 
I understood that my mother loved me and she wanted something more than just to give me the best thing in the world that I could want materially. She wanted to show me that she loved me with all that she had. And that's how our father is. And he gives us the ultimate gift, the ultimate present. And for us as believers, that is his very presence in us. See, scripture will show us that from the beginning, it has always been God's plan to dwell with his people. We have a God that, that is all at once, all at once holy and set apart and powerful beyond anything we could ever imagine. And yet he's close and intimate and relational, closer than anyone who knows our deepest secrets. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, the Bible says this, for the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, listen, I live in a high and holy place, which he does, and and with the oppressed and lowly of spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the oppressed. Isn't that something to just get so excited about? That we have a God that lives in a high and holy place and he's separate and he's powerful and he's something different than us. But all at once, he cares and lives in and in the presence of the lowly of spirit, us, in any circumstance that we may find ourselves in. That's the kind of God that we serve. See, our God is the only God that has made this claim and backed it up when you really think about it. Our God is the only God that relentlessly pursues those who are lowly and in need of a restored relationship with their creator. That's an amazing God to worship. That's an amazing God to, to really think about and slow down and worship during this Christmas season. So you see, at Christmas, we celebrate this very paradox that I'm talking about, that God is all at once holy and separate, but through his son Jesus, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, he is also with us. He's not just some far distant God. See, he is a king and a servant. He is a master and a friend. He is the one who seeks to enter our heart and make his home there. Well, that's why we come here, because we, those of us who have this relationship with Jesus, we understand that this is the kind of God that we serve, the one who wants to come and revive our soul, to live in our heart, to give us purpose, to give us meaning, to bring us joy. We come here because we get fed by his spirit, and in the presence of him and his people, we find purpose. And we'll learn today that, that God's presence with us has always been the plan. His presence with us, with his people, has always been the plan. Secondly, we will see that he has relentlessly pursued being present with us. And finally, we will celebrate the ultimate victory that we have because of the ultimate gift of his presence 
in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that that you have given us the gift of your presence in our life, in our being, what we need to know and to be known by you, God. Lord, we know that you have relentlessly pursued us, and sometimes we have strayed away and we've rejected you. But God, today as we open your word, we pray that you make it clear who you are, where we are, and what you want for us, God. Restore and revive us here where we are right now so that we may leave this place, God, knowing you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So let us turn to the beginning of this whole thing in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back in front of you. If you don't, the scripture should pop up on the screen behind me. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1. See, we understand that, that there is a history-altering interaction between a certain serpent and the first two human beings that God created here. And so Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 says this. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did you really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Friends, often we read Scripture and we we allow scripture to become too familiar to us in terms of missing out on key pearls of wisdom that can help strengthen our relationship with God. See, notice that the obvious, right? Let's notice the obvious. Satan has successfully deceived Adam and Eve in this biblical narrative, right? And basically, since Satan has deceived Adam and Eve here. Sin has entered the world through their disobedience. But if you look closer, you will see something that has always been plainly illustrated in this text in verse 7. So just turn there and look with me where it says, after Adam and Eve sinned, something big happened in verse 7. Something that will illustrate the fact that God has always been present with his people from the beginning. Something that will truly show us our first point, which is this, that God was present with us 
from the beginning, and we need to understand that in order to enrich our relationship with him. Verse 7 says this, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, have you ever asked yourself why Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves? See, the easy thing is to point out, obviously, what has happened here is that they're trying to cover their shame. They're trying to cover their guilt. They're trying to hide. They're covering themselves up like like most of us do when we do something wrong. But I believe that Adam and Eve knew the creator personally. I think this is why they're covering themselves as well. I believe they knew he would come back to the garden as he did often to spend intimate and sweet time with them, just like any loving and caring and intimate relationship. See, they knew that he would be back at some point throughout that day. They knew that he would see them and they would see him. And so like a child covering up a mess before their mom or dad returned, they scurried to quickly make garments for themselves. Why? Because God, their father, our God, was present with them in the garden. See, we really miss this point sometimes. We turn quickly to see that, oh, they must have been guilty. You know, they're covering up their shame. But also in that, it's implicit that they knew they were going to have some face time with God the father. They knew that he was going to personally be there. They knew that he was going to come around. Because he was always around. He always wanted to be present with his people from the beginning. And even though our God is a holy and separate and royal and magnificent God, he is also personal. We can get lost in how big God is and forget how personal he desires to be with those who he calls his own. See, he's a personal God. Later on, we read in verse uh, 8 to 9 in the same chapter, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening. Again, they knew he was coming back at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And so notice this that it says they heard the sound of the Lord walking. Wow. Just again, to just really zero in on this, that can you imagine that that, just knowing that God is right there in your midst in such a unique and personal way, a God that walks and and dwells among his people, a God who from the beginning chose to be present with his people, chose to be around, chose relationship over distance. A God who is holy and and set apart and, and yet totally relatable. Isn't that so amazing? But see, this is the amazing part that we can only imagine what that was like. But for those of us that are here today and have a relationship with God, through Jesus, we will experience and discover the perfect, this perfect kind of intimacy with God when we meet him in eternity. It's going to be just like when Adam and Eve 
apart from this moment, would, would wait for their FaceTime with God, would, would wait for a time when, when they knew he was going to love on them in a special way and, and be in their presence in such a special and unique way in the Garden of Eden where things were perfect. We have that to look forward to as believers. That is so amazing. That is so amazing to consider. See, because unlike Adam and Eve, we will hear his footsteps approaching us with no shame and no guilt and no fear when we're in eternity with Jesus. See, because from the beginning, he has always been present with his people. And this is honestly the ultimate gift that we enjoy, the ultimate gift that we speak of when we talk about the good news. It's God's presence. He wants a relationship with you, with me, with all of us. See, friends, the Bible has shown us that from the beginning, God's plan was to be present with his people. But like Adam and Eve, through sheer disobedience, through fear, and even through a misunderstanding of who God is, we hide from him. We reject his presence. This is why I want us to see today that throughout history, no matter how much we push him away, no matter how much we want nothing to do with him, God relentlessly pursues us. He relentlessly pursues us. You, you may be asking, how can this be? What, what is it that he does to show that he, he even cares? What is it that he does that he's relentlessly pursuing us? How does he do that? How does he pursue us? See, I believe the Bible shows three crucial ways God has pursued and has been present with his people all throughout history and even today right now. And the number one one is, I mean, there's plenty, but look, I'm boiling it down for three unless you guys want me to dissect the Bible for us this morning. <laughs> you know? But these are the three we're going to focus on. Number one, he cares for us. In Genesis chapter four, verse one, it says, the man was intimate with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. See, you could just again kind of just brush over this, but friends, even though Adam and Eve sinned against God and pushed him away, God was faithful to them. See, Eve says that even in the pains of childbirth that were a consequence of the fall, God was there. He was there with her. He did not just simply allow her to, to suffer in misery. He did not abandon her. He cared for her. And he did not let her be alone in her suffering like sometimes we may feel. See, God brought her through that pain. Of course, she, there's certain things in life we're going to just go through. There's certain struggles in life that, that are just out in front of us that we may have no clue that lay ahead. Or maybe we're even going through some struggles right now that we're wondering, where is he? He is here. He is present. He wants to walk with you through all those trials, through all those struggles. He will not let you down and he will not abandon you. See, God brought her through. He did not abandon her and he will not abandon us. I think of all the times that God has cared for me and for my family through tough times. We all have those stories. He is always present, even when we don't see him. 
He relentlessly pursues those who are his. Despite our disobedience, despite our cold hearts toward him, he is present. He relentlessly pursues us. He cares for us. Number two, he fights our battles. He fights our battles. In the book of Deuteronomy, we see the real life account of God's people facing impossible odds. But with God, all things are possible because his very presence is power. His very presence among us, among those who believe, is powerful and mighty and all that we need. God fights our battles. God is the warrior that fights our battles. And sometimes we forget that. But he, he's present with us in the thick of all that life has to throw at us. And here in Deuteronomy 9, verse 1 through 3, it says, Listen, Israel, today you are about to cross the Jordan to enter and drive out nations greater and stronger than you, with large cities fortified to the heavens. The people are strong and tall, the descendants of Anakin, not Skywalker. This is not the one. It's another one. It's the biblical one. You know about them, and you have heard it said about them, who can stand up to the sons of Anak? But understand that today the Lord your God will cross over ahead of you as a consuming fire. He will devastate and subdue them before you. And let me tell you, friends, that that is exactly what God did that day. He devastated their enemies. And he is standing now able, willing, and powerful enough to devastate any enemy that crosses your path. Because this is the thing. See, just like God had a plan for these people in Israel, he has a plan for us. And anybody that stands in a way of God's plan for your life will be devastated. He will crush them with his mighty power. God is present because he fights our battles for us. He fights our battles. He's a warrior God. And that's something to get excited about. Because God has always been in the business of being present with his people and for his people. Showing us that he's relentless. Showing us his mighty power. See, we often forget that, once again, these are real people with real struggles. And a real mighty God showed up and handled all that they couldn't, and he can do it for you. Number three, he hears and answers our prayers. We can know that he is present because he hears and answers our prayers. Uh, most of us have experienced God's presence in this way in our life in some type of way at some point in our life. Please, Lord, give me joy and somehow he gives you joy. Please, God, restore my relationship. It's broken. I don't know where to go from here. And he helps you along that path. Please, God, give me strength. Please, God, heal my mom. Please, God, and so on and so on, as we send our prayers up to him. See, God has listened to our prayers, and as an intimate and close friend, he has listened to our prayers as an intimate and close friend, but he has answered our prayers 
like only he can in miraculous ways that shows that he is present in our life every day in every way, even when we can't see him. He is working on our behalf. And we know this because he listens and answers our prayers because he relentlessly pursues being present with us. It's the utmost priority to him for us to know who he is and that we can know him. And finally, friends, the ultimate gift of presence that God has given us is his own son, Jesus Christ, who through his life, death, and resurrection defeated death and secured for us salvation and a restored relationship with God, with our creator. For God, it wasn't enough to to just walk with us. For God, it wasn't sufficient to just fight our battles. From the beginning, his plan has been to give us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. That is something much more precious than we can ever imagine. Better than any Game Boy that I've ever gotten. Definitely better than that gray one that I got when I was a kid. I could say that because my mom's not here now. No, but it was great in the moment, obviously. But what I'm saying is, is that God's presence is greater than any material thing that we could ever have. That is much more beneficial to us exponentially than anything else. For God... From the beginning, his plan has been to give us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate during this Christmas time. When we accept and believe that Jesus is God and that God has raised him from the dead, we receive the ultimate gift. God himself dwelling in our soul, renewing our mind, reviving our heart restoring the intimacy of the Garden of Eden that was lost through his very spirit in us. The Bible says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. That's in Galatians 4, verse 6. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, it says, this about the one who believes. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Isn't that an amazing truth to just, just take in that, that you, that, look, it wasn't enough for God to, you know, have an ark that his presence was in and be in the temple. It, it wasn't enough for, for Jesus himself, God himself to dwell among men. But then now, in, in, this, in this time, right now, as we sit here, you, those who believe and those, those who are here as believers in Jesus Christ, have the very presence of God himself dwelling in you. You are the temple because God dwells in you. And see, we have the ultimate gift, God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He empowers us. He gives us discernment. He reminds us who we are and whose we are. He is, he is present as a, as a guarantee that Jesus is God, that we can believe in him who has decided to dwell in us. The ultimate gift this Christmas is knowing that from the beginning, God has been present with his people. 
And even when we push him away, he relentlessly pursues us to be present with us. He won't take no for an answer. His grace and his love are going to chase you down and wear you out until you see how much he loves you, until you see how much he is willing to give for you to realize who he is and who you are. And see, he relentlessly pursues us and we have the ultimate victory because the mighty God who saves, the roaring lion who conquers cities and kingdoms lives in us and is for us. That is the greatest lie that, that we're told that he, that God, he's just a mighty king. He's all the way up there in the sky in a place that we can't even reach. But the reality is, is that it's not so. God is a mighty king, but he is also in us through his son and his spirit. He seeks to be present with us and he will not stop. He will make himself present in your battle. He will make yourself present in your answered prayers. He will make himself present through the people that are loving on you with his spirit. He will make himself present and known because he loves you. And that is the ultimate gift that we can receive this Christmas. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for giving us the gift of your presence in our life, the reality that, that we can have a relationship that's personal and intimate, that's just like our closest, most intimate personal relationships that we have, but that there's something about it that's exponentially greater. We thank you that we have that opportunity, God, to, to know you, to know that you're present, to know that you will relentlessly pursue us no matter what. God, to know that you love us, God, as we are. I mean, sometimes we just need to hear and know, God, and believe that even in our weaknesses, God, you are there loving us just as we are, ready to uh, give us a, a portion of your spirit, God, poured into our heart to revive us, to have us to live the life of joy that you have truly called us to. I pray that for those who are here today. In Jesus' name, amen.